I think it's time to go to sunny Spain. Here we go. And here he is, Niall Hatch, straight off the plane. Niall, you're in there. Oh, what a lovely pair of castanets you have. <laughs> you're very kind, Derek. I knew you'd admire those. <laughs> you were in Spain. I was. I, um, I had a wonderful time. I was in, in Barcelona, or near Barcelona, to be precise, in uh, in Catalonia, in a wonderful place called the Ebro Delta, the okay. delta of the Ebro River, which flows out into the Mediterranean. And I was there on the occasion of the Ninth Delta Birding Festival. Uh, and it really is remarkable. Amazing Funny, place. I've been to Barcelona many times and I never think of going bird watching in Barcelona. I'll bet very few people who listen to this programme other than the birders have ever thought of it. Well, Barcelona Airport itself is actually in the middle of a really good nature reserve. Is it? It is, yeah. So it's actually a protected area all around the airport, uh, which means that there's problems if they want to expand the airport because it's right in a protected zone. Of course, zone. Yeah. A very good place for birds. In fact, the whole um, the whole of Catalonia is, a, is incredible for birds because the mountains right in the north. So you're up in the Pyrenees, up near the border with Andorra and with, with France. So you get all sorts of mountain species of bird and of mammal and of plant and all sorts of things there. Lots of amphibians and reptiles as well. Then you're working yourself way down through the, they have steppes and plains they have wonderful forests but I particularly like the coastal areas and this area around the uh, the Ebro Delta which is roughly two hours drive south of Barcelona it's Amazing. You've got this, this huge floodplain of the river, which has been cultivated by humans for a long, long time. It's the main rice growing region um, of, of that part of Spain. Uh, so there's a huge amount of rice grown there for the paella and all the other stuff that they do. So it's very much altered by man. But in fact, the, the humans, the farmers and, and the wildlife live in real harmony. If it wasn't for, for one, you wouldn't have the other. It's really... I suppose an eye-opener for me to see such sustainable agriculture and the fact that um, you know, these birds, they're in there, they're clearing out some of the predators that would affect the rice. There's various types of introduced snail, for example, and crayfish that cause all sorts of problems. The birds are feeding on those. There's a whole lot of birds at this time of year too because it's the migration season. So uh-huh. The delta funnels them down through it. So um, I remember um, a couple of years ago, I was very pleased to see a glossy ibis here in Ireland, a rare yes. bird, a visiting bird. I saw 50,000 of them in the Ebro no Delta. No way, you're yeah. joking. I mean, I think I went down to the Birdwatch Island nature reserve to have a look at that glossy eye. That's right. It, it was kind of turning around Ireland if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And people were coming from everywhere to see it and there was just one. Just the one. Now I was looking to catch a glimpse of it but you said you saw 50,000. 50, you better describe what a glossy ibis so looks like. A glossy ibis, I suppose from a distance you can mistake it for a very dark curlew because like a curlew they have long legs, long neck, a very long down curved beak. Um, but they're not actually related to curlews. They're, um, they're, they're a different group of birds and they're more related to storks and species like that. From a distance they look very dark chocolate brown. They're feathered but up close you'll see there's actually a beautiful iridescence on them there's all sorts of bronzy and glossy greenish colours and hues in them hence, hence the name glossy ibis and this then long down curved beak that they used to probe in, in the rice fields and to feed on all the different snails and things that you would find there and uh, what happens then in the evening in the delta you have clouds of thousands of these birds almost like a starling murmuration oh, wow. but these birds are really large coming in and they're actually then coming to roost to sleep in oh, some of these fantastic. rice fields in this area and while that's going on you have um, thousands of flamingos goes flying Ooh. overhead all this wonderful pink you see warblers singing all around you and it's absolutely spectacular and it's all fringed by this lovely range of mountains um, I got to go up to the mountains as well because I, I love the mountains and I uh, I know that uh, last week on the programme we were talking about uh, the wild goats here in Ireland well I saw actually my first Spanish ibex the Spanish wild goat that's in the mountains there uh, so that was a new mammal for me and it's a real really exciting actually to see wildlife like that watching this wild goat with its two kids I saw them sort of 
panic or look up, there's a golden eagle flying right overhead and the golden eagle would be a predator on the kids and all that. This, this was just an hour from the Delta. It was absolutely incredible. Well, I saw something wonderful on Hoth Head the other day. Oh, we me. were out there filming for Back from the Brink, which will be aired next year on RT television, filming the old Irish goat. And they've mm. been brought in to manage the fire breaks on Hoth Head to keep the gorse fires down. And we saw some goats, the old Irish goat variety, and flying overhead a buzzard, which was mm. mewing the entire time. So similar, but different to your scene. Yes, yeah, there's, there's lots of parallels <laughs> And speaking there. of flamingos, Niall, I came across an article the other day about a black flamingo, which was recorded in Cyprus some years ago. Mm. We're going to be talking about pigmentation and spotless giraffes <laughs> very shortly. Uh, one that was born in a zoo in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, and one in a game reserve in Namibia. But have you ever heard of a black flamingo? I haven't. I'd love to see a picture of that. I mean, this can but happen. Black. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm actually, still look great. I mean, sometimes that can happen because of staining in the feathers. So yeah. if you've got oil on it or something. But sometimes you do have a thing called melanism, where it's the opposite of albinism, where the, the feathers become overly dark. Um, so there's too much pigment in them. With flamingos, um, flamingos do have black feathers in their wings. So that there is black in their genes. Um, but what happens, of course, that pink colour in flamingos, it's produced by their food. Flamingo mm. feathers are normally white. So maybe a simple mutation could cause that difference in the feathers. The pink coloration comes from, it's mainly the coloration from, from the carotenes, they call them, from the little brine shrimp that they feed on. Flamingos tend to be in very salty areas. So you find them in these uh, in these salt pans they have around the Ebro Delta. And I think that's why it attracts so many of these flamingos in. Uh, where you get big concentrations of migratory birds as well, you get lots of, and lots of predators coming to feed on them. So we had loads of birds of prey. I think we had 11 or 12 different species, including plenty of ospreys. I was delighted to see that. We've been talking about ospreys a lot here in the programme yeah. in recent times. Um, and I, would, you know, I was thinking perhaps one of these ospreys flying past. Who knows? It could well, be one of those give you some good news because you were away. You probably missed it, but I doubt it. I'm sure you were <laughs> informed of everything. Those ospreys have radio tags. Not all yep. of them, but some of the nine ospreys that are on the move already from Ireland. They are heading in the right direction. I believe one was recorded in Morocco. Yes, so it's great to see that that instinct is kicking in. Remember, these birds have only been in the wild for a few weeks and already they know where to go, which is, is quite remarkable. Um, but amazing to see ospreys there catching fish there in the Delta. But also amazing to see how many people this festival brought together for wildlife. There were three and a half thousand people there over the wow. course of the weekend. And they're all there to, uh, to, to go to talks and lectures about wildlife, to go on field trips, to buy books, to exchange stories, of children's events and activities. I was actually really impressed by how many kids were there. Did you speak to anybody when you were there? I'm I sure did. you spoke to lots of people. <laughs> I, I but did. have you any audio for us? Even just a little clip, a minute or so. But you know me, Derek, I would never go without having without having any audio for these things. I always bring my recorder with me. Uh, and I did. I had the great pleasure and privilege of speaking to a gentleman called Francesc Kirschner, who is the organiser of the whole fair there in the Ebro Delta. He's been doing this uh, for many years now. It's the it's the ninth. It's been going for 10 years, but there's a break for one year because of COVID. So this was the ninth iteration of this festival. It gets bigger and better every year. The organisation they're so good they even have their own currency at the festival called bimbos so you spend bimbos <laughs> you, you, buy, you buy a burger or whatever and they say that'll be 10 bimbos please so he's the brains behind it all very, man is very very proud of it and so I wanted to catch up with him to find out what exactly it is that makes the Ebro Delta so fantastic for wildlife we really are among the birds. As you're talking, there are loads of flamingos flying behind you. I never get tired of seeing those. Uh, we have um, lots of egrets around us, the glossy ibis, all of these amazing birds. What is it about the delta that makes it so special for so many different species? Well, the delta, uh, as many people probably know, it's, uh, it's the end of the River Ebro, and it's probably one of the most classical or with, with a very nice shape 
as a delta. It uh, has a triangle with two peninsulas, one on the north and one on the south. And all the, the periphery of this, of this land, who is completely flat, is plenty of lagoons and areas, marshes and areas close to the sea with an intertidal waters. And this is a heaven for the migrating birds and for the wetland birds. So it's a, the place in Catalonia where more different species have been recorded since there is uh, records of them and is a place that is fantastic. And the Delta Breeding Festival itself is held in an area called Mon Natura Delta, who is just a, a small piece of land in between two lagoons. One that is very famous is La Tancada, usually plenty of flamingos, and then another area that is more like marshes that had been, in fact, there is a salt works area that has been recovered as natural wetlands. Thank you very much indeed. Francesc, sounds like a wonderful place to visit. When is the best time to go, by the way? Uh, well, all year round it's very good. In the middle of the summer it can get very hot. I would actually say September, October is a perfect time because that's when the migration is happening. The temperatures are very pleasant. Uh, the food is great. It's and Spain. you probably catch a cheap flight as well. Yeah, it's very accessible, very accessible from Barcelona. season. You can also, uh, for people who don't want to fly, you can easily get to Spain now by ferry. It's a wonderful uh, wonderful travel now. You can do it by public transport and they've even laid on buses around the, the area of yeah. the Delta. So it's easy to do by public transport.